On this week's episode of Studio Inter, we discuss the games against Beceva and Fiorentina before looking ahead to the game against Napoli and finishing off with our frog, Moji and Marathi of the week. All of this and much more on this week's episode of Studio Inter. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Studio Inter. I'm your host Antonio D'Angelo and with me today is my co-host and Semper Inter's very own Nima Tavali Ruzzari. Nima, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm doing much better than uh, I did at the beginning of, uh, at the end of last week <laughs> for natural reasons, but uh, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, also with me today is a writer for Semper Inter. He writes our previews, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. How are you, Mo? I'm all well, guys. Uh, how are you guys? All good? All good. All good. Great to, great to have you on, Mo, because I, I, really, I really think you, everyone listening, should check out Mo's uh, previews. They're really, really interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, here with us today to talk about the Besheva game, which is the first topic of the day, is a special guest. So, Nima, if you could please introduce that guest. Yes, we had uh, this guest on uh, before uh, the first encounter with Bersheva, which was the first uh, encounter that Inter ever had in its history with a Israeli team. And he gave us an excellent uh, analysis and introduction to Israeli football in general, and also Hapoel Bersheva uh, as a club. And basically everything he said came true twice. So welcome, Rafael Geller. <laughs> Thank uh, that's that's the best introduction I've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> but it's true, though. I mean, for everyone who's, li- I mean, basically everything you said that was going to happen happened. <laughs> and we we were worried about it right after you, you'd left. We we were like, you know, crapping ourselves like this 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 could actually turn out really bad for us. And hey ho, it did. Yeah, I remember uh, I, I was listening to the first podcast and I thought, no way, this guy's like, he's not serious. This can't be true. And then, lo and behold, the first game happened, and it was there, uh, word for word, almost crazy, crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Um, there's lots to say. I guess I'll, I'll let you guys fire away. Well, let me put it to you this way, Rafael. Um, after the first game, obviously, Inter were were really poor, and a few days after that, we beat Juventus. So everyone kind of put that defeat against the Bersheva as a as a kind of they were focused on another on the on the on bigger ta- on bigger tasks at hand however what happened uh, this this past week uh, the last thursday in israel is is nothing short of a miracle what are your thoughts uh, of of how that game started what did you think uh, after the first half did you think any did you did you even imagine that something like this could happen uh, well, I remember, I remember, 
I remember in the first half tweeting that this was the, the, the kind of football that we were expecting from Inter, and I was happy to see that, even though obviously I want Bersheva to win. But uh, there's something magical about this team. I talked about it last time I came on. Uh, when you think of a football team and what the word team means, uh, there's not many teams in the world, and I know that may sound crazy, but in terms of the unity of the team and the cooperation between the foreigners on the team, the Israelis on the team, and, and also what I talked about last time about this team is it, it's, it's, you know, in Israel we have lots of politics, everyone knows that, but this team is composed of Arabs, Jews, uh, Muslims, Christians, basically everyone is welcome on the team. No one cares what you are, yellow, brown, blue. It's, it's just about winning and about being a team and working together. Uh, which is something that we don't really see that often in Israeli football. There, there seems to be other teams that have lots of issues with that. And, and that this team has been able to put that all together and really embrace a city uh, that's one of the, the, not the poorest cities of Israel, but not a, a glamorous city that people abroad have, have heard of. Um, but to answer your question, I mean, after the first half, you know, the two goals, uh, it, it, looked, it looked dead. But something happened. I think there was an... The 53rd minute around then that I just had this weird feeling. I was like, wow, they're, they're playing completely different. They changed the formation uh, completely. They, they had one of one of the wingers move to the nine and, and the main striker move behind. And Buzaglo, who I'm sure now everyone will remember in Italy um, for what he's done in both matches, <laughs> also switched position. And the, man, uh, the manager, the, the manager of Bersheva just maybe, you know, managed one of his best halves ever uh, in the history of his career as a manager. So, I don't know. It was, it was uh, really, really impressive. Is this the, I mean, I guess it's uh, kind of difficult to compare uh, different eras and different performances and different, uh, you, know, you know, achievements, but could we say that this is like the biggest upset in Israeli football history? Uh, well, there's well, yeah, the well if you if you, you don't have to say that it's the biggest, but I mean, can yeah. you rank it? Can you rank it with other kind of amazing thing thing you know amazing performances by Israeli teams in Europe? Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about this also last time. So I'm sorry for anyone who would listen last time and is listening now and they think I'm repeating myself, but I just want to make sure for new listeners, Israeli football has a pretty uh, good history in Europe. I mean, Apollo Tel Aviv beat your arch rivals uh, AC Milan. But they weren't as good back in the day, and they were going through a dark period when it happened. You know, plenty of um, Israeli teams have been Chelsea, uh, Ajax, but I th- and and the most historic, you know, the number one undisputed number one is Maccabi Haifa. Maccabi Haifa beating Manchester United three nil in Cyprus um, in, in 2003, 2004 season. So this for me though was. For me, as a person who also remembers that match against United, this for me was number one. Uh, why? Just the, the comeback. I mean, the Manchester United game was against their second team. Manchester United already advanced to the next round, and, and, and Sir Alex Ferguson uh, wanted to play a second team. Also, the game was not allowed to be held in Israel because of security concerns, so the game was in Cyprus. Uh, Manchester United t- didn't take the game that serious. It was still massive, you know, for any team. Let's be honest. During the Sir Alex Ferguson era, to beat uh, to beat United three 0 but it was in Cyprus. They were playing their reserves, and yes, I know not all the players traveled to Israel for this intermatch, but the way they came back. I mean, the, it, it was almost like a fairy tale, and the way that you just almost knew. I, I knew they were going to win after the score was two to one. 
I, I was actually watching the match uh, with my father. I couldn't go because I was supposed to be covering it, but my parents are American, uh, and it was Thanksgiving, and I promised them three months in advance that I'd come visit them. So I was watching the match with my father, and I looked at him and said at, when it was 2-1 to one, that Bersheva was going to win, and he looked at me and he said, you're right. There was this weird feeling that everyone just knew that something crazy was about to happen. And uh, the third goal, and you know, with 20 seconds left in the match, just kind of uh, put the cherry on top, as I said. Oh, it definitely was uh, the cherry on the Israeli cake on the night, but it was definitely not a cherry on, on, on an Italian cake. I mean, right. Inter can't get away with anything claiming that uh, they didn't have the best players or anything like that, because it, it was a competitive team uh, that Inter had. There's no excuse. Uh, but, I mean, from a tactical point of view, I, I personally think that Pioli started, uh, you know, played Inter's defense back four a little bit too high up for my liking, which kind of freed up a lot of space for yeah. Bersheva. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think I definitely agree with that. And I think um, a very big, big substitution was Maran Radi who came in. And what's really interesting about him uh, is he missed the penalty against Celtic uh, that if, if he would have scored that penalty, Bersheva would have been in the Champions League. So there was a lot. This this kind of was his redemption. He was my man of the match. He came in as a sub. Uh, so it was kind of a redemption story for him. He was crying his eyes out after he missed the penalty against Celtic in August, and he came in and absolutely changed everything. Um, he he's an, he was an Israel international. He's he's an older player now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with your assessment about the back four. I, I think that though, to be really honest, I just think it was. I said this, but it was an absolutely amazing management of our manager in the second half of how he just completely switched the formation, and it just seemed like your manager did not know how to respond to it. And at, at one point, I was just wondering, you know, what the hell are Inter doing? I mean, it was almost like Inter were saying, we want you to win. It, it didn't really <laughs> make sense. It, you know, if, if, you, if you really watch the match, you will see that it could have actually even ended 5-2. to two. Uh, because they got very close, like three or four times, and it literally looked like uh, you know, it looked like like they they gave up when it was two to one. I mean, I know the red card was big. I don't know what you guys think about the red card. Um, that's debatable. It, you know, it definitely was a yellow. I don't know about a red, but it's just it's not the type of defending you expect from an Italian team. You know, the history of Italian football. Yes, it's ten men, but. It was, you know, Bersheva looked like Barcelona. Yes, I know it was against 10 men, for anyone who's criticizing me now, but it was ridiculous to watch this Israeli team just totally dominate for basically 45 minutes against Inter Milan. I don't care what place you're in. I don't care this and that. It's still Inter Milan. You still have amazing players. You still have a very big club uh, in terms of budget that you, that you brought to Israel, the players that you brought to Israel, the players that started in the match, you know, the two, two goal scorers are, are very, very big players. And Icardi, uh, if I, I could be wrong, guys, but I don't think he started the last match against Besheva. He came off the bench in the 75th minute in this match. Uh, he started. So, look, it was a historic win. There's no doubt about it. I think it was number one in terms, just because of the comeback. If, if not number one, then others would say number two, number three. Uh, and, and the best thing is, and and. I've seen this all over Twitter, and I've reported about it, and I actually had a story about it, so I hope it's right. And I'm really hoping one of you can tell me if I'm wrong or right, but it was the first time ever that a, a, any team had done the double, had been Inter Milan twice in any group stages. Is that correct? 
Yeah, in the European in, in European competitions. Yeah. Right. And that's something that, you know, in, in 50 years, when you're talking to your grandkids, if that record stays, it's pretty amazing. You would think that it was a Barcelona or, or Real Madrid or whatever, a big English team. But no, it's a small little Israeli team from the desert that two years ago no one even knew about in Europe. Everyone in Europe knows about Maccabi Tel Aviv and Apollo Tel Aviv and Maccabi Haifa, but it's a small team that no one had ever heard of um, that on aggregate in their last European match in the, in the late 90s lost to Barcelona, something like 13 to 1 in two matches. Uh, it's just an amazing story. It's just one of those stories that only we get through, you know, through football, and I think, think why we all love football. That's true. And also, it was the first time in, um, in Inter's history that they were knocked out in European competitions in the group stage. Right. And that's, I mean, that's because, you know, they, they've, they lost six points against Beresheva, so it's hard to say it wasn't Beresheva's fault. Obviously, they didn't get the results they wanted against other teams as well, but Beresheva played a huge role in that, uh, in that record as well. Oh, they eliminated Inter. Mohamed, do you have any questions for Rafael? No, I mean, um, I, I, as usual, like uh, the analysis is fantastic, and it's really great to hear like the the, the other other perspectives. I just wonder, um, like, um, where where do Bersheva go from here? Like, is this part of a, a project? I know you spoke about a project uh, raising the profile of the team the first time you did the podcast, yeah. but is this part of like a European project as well, or is is, is the goal for Bersheva to to just uh, dominate uh, local Israeli football? Well, uh, it's, a, it's a really good question. What's, what's absolutely amazing is that next Thursday, uh, they're going to Southampton with the goal of advancing, which, again, I mean, if an Israeli team can go into Southampton and, and win there and get the point there, they only need a point if, if there's goals. If it's nil-nil, then um, Southampton advances. But that's, I think, step one to see if they could you know, do that. But in the long run, if we're, if we're looking at the next few years, uh, there's heavy competition in Israel. I mean, you have Maccabi Tel Aviv led by Jordi Cruyff, who everyone knows. You have Maccabi Haifa right now, uh, led by Tor Kristen Carlson. If anyone's a big, you know, um, you know, uh, he he was an ESPN FC insider for many years. He was uh, he worked as a sporting director for Monaco. I'm pretty sure uh, he was the one who um, I'm pretty sure he was the one who who brought uh, Claudio Ranieri to Monaco back in the day. A few years ago, uh, not oh, that he okay. did that well there, but um, uh, there's there's good competition here. So to even be the the dominated Israeli football is hard with the foreigners who who've come in and, and taken over Israeli football. But um, you know, I think it, it's it shows that with globalization, and I think we've seen this not just from Apollo Bersheva, but we saw Astana in Kazakhstan get really interesting results. Uh, and we're starting to see smaller teams uh, compete, you know, and it's not always about the money. I mean, it's not always about Beersheva. Yeah, they spend a lot of money per Israeli standards, but per European standards, oh, no one's making a million euro on this team. No one's making half a million euro on the team. Um, it, it, it just shows, you know, you, you have a team, you, you get these guys from Africa that sometimes crack through and don't make it to the big teams. And they're great players. I mean, I don't know what you guys think of John Ogu, but every every single t- Twitter person that watches him from different, you know, when they played Celtic and when they played Southampton, everyone always says, how is this guy in, in Beersheba? He could be, you know, he could be in the Premier League. He could be in La Liga. He could be in Serie A. How, what is he doing there? And I think that kind of just shows, you know, football is more exciting now. There's globalization now. 
um, and that little teams can compete in Europa League can be fun. I'm sure when you guys saw the draw, you're like, oh, who the hell is Beersheba? But now you guys know who they are and you know that um, <laughs> we do, we do, we do, we do. We, we are, we're butthurt. There's no really way to put it. I mean, Inter were completely, I mean, Beersheba won, 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 you know, I don't think we can say anything. I mean, personally, when it comes to the, to the, red, to the red card, it was two yellow cards and it was two oh, clear God. yellow cards. I mean, first of all, why? I mean, the, I, you know, if you're going to play the blaming game, I think that Handanovic really let the team down. Getting a yellow card in the first, you know, what was it, the 29th minute right. for, totally. for time yeah. wasting? I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah, that was a big. Yeah, I don't. I'm really sorry. I feel like an idiot. Of course, it was a second yellow card. Sorry. Um, no, it's. Uh, that, you know, it's. I, I also think. Uh, pardon. I'm sorry. I don't know the backup goalie's name, but he actually had a couple. I think he did a pretty decent job. You know, being thrown in there um, and and kind of having to. Obviously, he didn't save the penalty, but he he did the best he could. I, I wouldn't blame him at all. But yeah, um, iris. You know, very irresponsible. I also think that that he didn't need to foul Buzaglo on on that play. I think if he just would have let him get it, I don't think he would have scored anyway. So it was I kind agree of one hundred percent. Yeah, percent. That, and that uh, was it. Uh, after that, it was kind of that was it for me. I knew they were going to win after that. You you kind of mentioned it a little bit, and I want to ask you about that. What are the risks of this team being completely bought? Uh, by bigger clubs in January, uh, or, or 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 looking even further further on in, in June. I mean, that that's definitely going to be something that would that would keep Beshiva from you know from progressing yeah. into. Or do they have a a, a world class? Uh, obviously, Tor Christian Carlsen is is the sporting director. Do you do you trust him to be able to fill those? No, no, he's spaces? he's of Maccabi Haifa. He's the sporting director. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. No, no I, I mean, I mean, uh, do you think right. is is there an organization in place to to uh, to, to fill those voids? It's hard. I mean, I, I've done some reporting on how John Ugo's had some interest from some Premier League clubs. Um, I know that Mora Buzaglo has been getting some attention from clubs in Italy. You know, not the not the big ones, not the big boys, but from mid-table clubs. Um, I know that uh, Tony Nawakeme, who's just showed enormous strength and and uh, how I mean his the way he just could go up against all the defenders uh, was amazing to me. He's he's also been linked well with the move to to uh, to Germany. So. It's tough because, you know, obviously our, the owner is wealthy. The, the, the woman owner, by the way, the owner of Beershev is a woman. I spoke about that last time. She has a lot of money, but I don't know if she can compete with some of these other teams I mentioned. But I think the team's going to stay together this year. Next summer might be difficult, but uh, I just can say, like, how excited I am. You know, the next Thursday night, this team's going to Southampton. Yes, it's a Thursday night. Yes, it's Europa League. But it's exciting for, for Israeli fans. It's exciting that you're going into Southampton trying to get those points. And if they do get the point and if they do win, they really deserve to be in the top 32. And then this might sound crazy, but if you beat Inter and you beat Southampton, why not, you know, maybe not go all the way, but if you get the right draw, maybe you go to the semifinals. And, may, you know, football's crazy. Leicester won the title last year. Why can't Bersheva make the semifinals if they get the right draw, if they can get by Southampton? Things are changing. Yeah. I think uh, there's something that I, I, I spoke about on, on po- other podcasts I've come on. Uh, globalization in football is changing football in so many ways that I think 
just people need to open their eyes and realize that these small teams that no one has heard of, they're starting to to make waves for several reasons, whether it's good players beating big teams. Uh, things are changing, and I think people need to get used to it and not be scared of these little teams and, and kind of embrace them and learn more about them and uh, see that it's, it'll just you know help you understand uh, where some of these players come from. Uh, there's so many examples, guys. I mean, I'll give one. I, I know you guys probably have to go to your next guest, but you look at, you look at um, Salah, obviously, who, who's in Italy. Uh, he came from Basel. Basel, every couple seasons, buys these players from Egypt. And I always wonder, you know, why, why don't teams in Italy and in England buy the players directly from England instead of them going to Switzerland and doing well in Switzerland and then moving on? Like, it, it never makes sense to me why, why they have to go to Basel. And then Basel cashes in on enormous money. Why doesn't England now start looking at, this, at the Egyptian league? Obviously, Salah did, didn't need to go to, the, to, to Basel. He could have gone straight to, to Italy or to the Premier League, maybe not to a Chelsea but, or a Liverpool or whatever, a big team. But the point is, is, is things are changing, um, and it's, it's good to be aware of the other leagues in the world and the talent that's coming out of them. I, I agree 100%. A little bit of humble pie never killed anybody. <laughs> exactly. uh, where, can, where can people follow you now uh, and follow your stuff? What's, what's next for you? Uh, I, I'm actually doing uh, doing a feature on Maccabi Haifa for the BBC World Football Show and how what they're doing. So people can follow me on Twitter at Rafael, R-A-P-H-A-L underscore Geller, G-E-L-L-A-R. I don't just tweet about Israeli football, don't worry. <laughs> I tweet about <laughs> politics and football and about smaller leagues. If you haven't gotten it yet, that's my passion. I follow the Austrian League and, and the Swiss League. And those are the things I'm interested in because I really think they deserve more attention. So if you're curious to follow the smaller leagues, give me a follow. If you want to talk about the, the match, uh, I love interacting with people. And uh, yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate uh, you inviting me on twice. Uh, it was really nice uh, joining you and I hope that our futures uh, collide again. It's been our pleasure. Uh, you served. You certainly served us, uh, uh, or Sheva certainly served us a big slice of that humble pie. And I think, uh, I think, like you said, we needed it. And also, thank you for your fantastic analysis, both last time and this time. My pleasure, guys. Uh, have a nice evening. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Have a good night, and uh, hope Sheva will go away. Yeah, yes. I agree. I, I, I like them. Working in Southampton, we could use the inter endorsement. So thank you. <laughs> you, you you'll see me there with the uh, inter scarf, just giving my support. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. All Thanks, right. Rafael. Have a good night. See ya. Well, uh, that was that was so interesting. It's such a it's so it's so it's such a pleasure. I think to have people who who have this expertise on on other leagues uh, to. Uh, as he said, smaller leagues. I think the, I really agree with his analysis that it, it really broadens the football family, and that's just a good thing. Uh, Agreed. Right. Uh, let's move on. Just like last time when we had uh, uh, Bersheva, we played a big match afterwards, directly afterwards, uh, with the result that uh, that went our way this time in a thrilling match, just like last time. And welcome, uh, and we're, I'm really happy to welcome to our show for the first time, uh, Football uh, Italia's own Giancarlo Rinaldi. Hello. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Hi, Giancarlo. <laughs> How are you feeling today? 
Hey, you know, I'm still confused. I'm not entirely sure what happened last night. I'm still trying to, <laughs> I'm still trying to decide whether it, you know, it, it, for 20 minutes, I thought it was a disaster for Fiorentina. Then for an hour, I thought it was a great spirited show. And then when the full time whistle blew, I, I wasn't really sure what to feel. I, I suspect maybe, I suspect even though Inter won, I suspect maybe Inter fans feel a little bit the same. Yeah, um, I mean, we were three. We were basically dominating the match, and for for no apparent reason, we we just let you you Fiorentina back in the game. And it feels like Inter is so mentally weak right now. That's what it looked like, a team that didn't know how to win a game, how to close out a game. I mean, I thought that when Joe Mario skied the ball over the bar, when it was easier to roll it into the net, that really that really summed up Inter. They'd got themselves into an absolute winning position and they didn't know... They didn't know how to close it out. But I, I suppose, I mean, the positive thing was that they did at least get into a winning position, which um, Fiorentina of late, e- even when they beat the Empoli convincingly, they've started off very badly in two or three games in a row now where they, they, they went behind to Pauk in the Europa League as well. Uh, I woke up too late in that one too and, and did exactly the same sort of with, with my Fiorentina glasses on. It was uh, it was disappointing in the extreme that they, they seemed to just stand still and let Inter play around them for, for, for 20 minutes. But um, they, they did show good character to, to come back. But as I say, um, I'm, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it from a from a Fiorentina standpoint. There were a lot of uh, a lot of interesting decisions as well along the way. <laughs> 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 but, but, we have to we have to we have to talk about this because this is a part of Italian football, and I I love this this uh, when when you're in Italy uh, and you watch these reruns and the debate programs about the referees and and to hear the, the della Valle and to hear. Uh, Pant- Pantaleo Corvino, the sporting director, talked about how the referee was 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 poor for ninety minutes, as opposed to Fiorentina who were poor for twenty minutes. What, what do you make of that? What do you make of the refereeing decisions? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I missed. I mean, I have to say, I missed. It was. Uh, I saw today that uh, the Gazeta dello Sport was saying that Fiorentina should have had a penalty when there was a foul on Gonzalo Rodriguez. I have to admit, I missed that. Um, so, I mean, I think it was fair enough for a, a referee to miss it as well. I, I did think the the red card, given given the, the position, I mean, I understand the, the, I think the logic anyway was that it was a, a, a clear goal-scoring opportunity, but it did seem, and it still seemed even on replays, that it was quite harsh given the, given the circumstances. It didn't seem to have the ball that much under control and you know he did put his arm in front of him a yellow card I think would have been sufficient and that really although Fiorentina did their best to come back it did it did make it difficult for them to to come back and then I think there probably was a foul at the start of the move 
for the fourth goal. Although that that really was academic in the end because whether it finished three two or four two didn't make a make a lot of difference. But I thought he had a bad game all night, really, in that there were a lot of fouls that he ignored. And, and I mean, I think, although I like a game to flow, I do think there are times, there wasn't really any uniformity in his decisions. I, I thought there were times where he gave a yellow card, where there was no need to give a yellow card, and there were other times where, you know, he, he let things go when he should have blown. And I think, I mean, as I say, that was from a Fiorentina side, but I mean, I think probably even from an Inter side, I don't think, uh, there must have been times when you were howling at the television thinking, <laughs> why why is he why is he not given a foul then, or, or why has he given a foul? You know, I think inconsistency is what drives people daft, and, and you know, as I say, to me, it, it, it looked like, it looked quite out of context to give suddenly the street raid for, for that foul and and it did it did compromise Fiorentina's chances of of getting back into the game as I say they, they might not have they might have played worse with 11 men on the pitch but you know <laughs> you, you, you you tend to think that 11 against 11 they would have had a better chance and and obviously he also had to make a substitution um to kind of cover for that and and bring on and bring on Tomovic, but you know that, that that sounds a bit like making excuses because for but for twenty minutes possibly more Inter more than deserve. I mean, they could have been five or six goals up. Never mind, never mind three. You know, they had plenty of chances. So you know, over over the game, perhaps no complaints. But that that decision in particular certainly. Um, was a was a hard one to take, and I, I think it did it did spoil the game a little bit because it made it, 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 it. I mean, Inter should have killed off Fiorentina a lot earlier than they did, really. But you know, it, it did make it that it was always unlikely that Fiorentina would come back. Uh, Mohammed, do you agree with uh, Giancarlo? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I do. I, I, um, <clears throat> I'll tell you my thoughts on 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 uh, the red card to start off with. Um, when, when while I was watching the game and then the red card came out, I was I was surprised. Um, it seemed a bit uh, much, but then when I saw the replays, um, look, I mean, it's a soft red, but there's there's no. Um, I feel like there's no faulting the referee for for pulling the red card out. Uh, you can argue that uh, maybe a yellow would have been, uh, but still, the the law is the law. Cardi, I mean, had 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 uh, Rodriguez had Gonzalo decided to try and maybe check him or, or shove him out of the way instead of reaching out with his uh, with his elbow or his arm, uh, maybe it would have been a, a yellow, but. Uh, the way the way it had gone, the way that Icardi managed to make um, make uh, make it obvious that he'd been properly impeded, I I, I can't really uh, in it, with with the benefit of the hinds uh, of hindsight and and the replays, I don't think I don't think it's uh, it's as scandalous as it uh, might have uh, seemed otherwise. Um, as for the game in general, I mean, I think I think Inter. Um, as as we've seen with the Bersheva game and maybe the Milan game as well, uh, Inter are uh, at at this point in time. Pioli's Inter are they they do the opposite of De Boer's Inter, where 
we start off very, very well. Uh, the team setup is great. Mentality is fantastic. The pace is fantastic. But it's this pace that you know uh, they definitely won't be able to sustain for X number of minutes, 90, 70, whatever. They can't see out the game at this pace. Uh, and the problem, I think, and I feel happens in uh, being able to transition from that frantic high press, all attack uh, setup to one where not necessarily sitting deep, but actually, you know, dictating tempo and, and, and holding onto the ball more. So before before Fiorentina had, had scored their first goal, even then, like after the third goal, 19 minutes, I was thinking, God, you know, we're going to be in trouble in the second half, aren't we? You know, because you, you, you knew like this setup was not going to last for, for the full 90 minutes. And yeah, you know, unless they'd scored six or seven goals by the, by the first 45 minutes, it was just, you knew, you knew we were going to be in trouble in the second half. That's, yeah. Well, 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 how do you think? Do you think? I mean, uh, this, the Paolo Souza comment about Bernardeschi like, during the week did that affect like the the balance in the in the squad at all, Giancarlo? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's hard for these things not to have an effect. I think it maybe it destabilizes a team definitely to to hear these things said, and uh, you know, the, the the kind of the undercurrent of what he said was very similar to what Vincenzo Monterla said before he left the club and that, you know, he said this is he'll end up at a team with, with bigger ambition. And, you know, the 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 kind of the theme with managers is that Fiorentina are a, a middle sized club with middle sized ambitions. And, you know, if you want to further your career you need to go elsewhere. So, you know, I don't think I don't think it helped. And for twenty minutes I actually thought maybe the players want to get him sacked because they were playing so badly that it looked as if they were conspiring against him. But, you know, when after that period, they did seem to, to shake up their ideas and they actually looked like a team that was playing for their manager, was trying hard. But you can't, you know, you can't give away... Um, twenty minutes. You know, you can't give away half an hour of a game to a team and really expect to get very much from it. I, I, I suspect that if Inter had gone on and got four, five, six goals without reply, he might have been looking for another job this morning because I think the it seems like the relationship there has soured to an extent that um, you know it, it will come to an end. Uh, it, it may last to the end of the season. They may patch things up. But I get the feeling that that maybe um, things have run their natural course, and you know I, there were even people seemed to think that you know his substitutions last night were kind of the substitutions of a manager who who is trying to prove a point, who's saying you know I don't have a good enough squad, so I'll bring on Federico Chiesa and I'll bring on Josh Perez, who are you know nineteen and eighteen or whatever age they are, you know so. It was almost as if to say, you know, here's, you know, Inter can bring on Joao Mario, uh, a European champion, and I've got to bring on two two teenage boys, you know. So <laughs> I think, I think, I think these these things, you know, they, maybe managers don't do that, but you know, it, it did smack a little bit of making a point that you know that the, the club doesn't have, which I, I think, you know, I, I think that's an unfair 
criticism of Fiorentina because they don't have the resources to um, you know to compete with the very best in Europe. This this we know, but I think they are you know within their means. They're an ambitious club, and they have done they've done well in recent years really to get you know it's a shame Italy lost that fourth Champions League place because Fiorentina would have been quite regular participants if if we'd kept it but you know it's just unfortunate we always seem to find find a way of missing out by one place wherever <laughs> wherever they wherever they put the bar Fiorentina seem to finish one notch um, below that bar but I, I, I fear that the the relationship between Sousa and the the president between between the fans and Sousa as well has probably soured to the point where you know he, he may well be looking for a new club, and who knows that that new club might be Inter at some point in the future. I don't know. Please don't, I don't know. say that. Please don't, <laughs> don't say know. that. I don't know if that thought fills you with terror or with or with it joy. It makes but... me not want. Like, please don't even joke about that because it'll just give me nightmares. <laughs> like, don't please. <laughs> I feel like we've turned into some sort of Zamparini 2.0 right now if we sack another manager and bring Paolo Sosa in. Because then again, you know, you sack a, a, a Pioli who likes to play another kind of football with with a Debor kind of... Oh, please, please don't. <laughs> You're giving everyone getting, listening to this a heart attack. <laughs> I'm giving. I'm getting revenge for last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll grant you that. I'll grant you that much. But I was regarding Paulo Sosa and and what's happened. I mean, how do, how did the local press in Fiorentina, sorry, in Florence, react to this morning about uh, about the, the game? Have they but, asked for his head or like what's the? No, no. I mean, there were definitely sections, um, both supporters and papers who would have would have sent him at packing as soon as he, he made the comments about Bernardeschi really. I mean they they see that as a, a lack of faith, a lack of belief in what Fiorentina are trying to do. And you know, I suppose, you know, ultimately fans in particular we, we we love to dream you know we, that's the sometimes it's the only thing that we've got and you know if a if a manager comes out and says look you know your best player's going to leave because that this team's not big enough for them then you know it, it, it's not it's the kind of thing you might think uh, and you might see it in private but i think to see it in public it doesn't go down well with um, you know a president. You're trying to sell season tickets. You're trying to you know get get people through the door to watch a team, and then somebody says you know this team's not really not really aiming very high. It doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really inspire a lot of enthusiasm. You know, so so there were definitely you know there were definitely be- even before this game there were definitely people who would have sent him packing. I, I, not so much, funnily enough, afterwards because I think. You know, it was one of those things. If they hadn't come back, you know, they got the goal back before half time. They got another goal back, and they did. You know, I, I mean, I think. Well, I can only imagine that as Inter fans, you must have been slightly scared for a good forty-five minutes plus of that game. That that it was all going to. You know, it was history repeating itself. That they were going to throw it away. So, uh, from from a Fiorentina point of view, the team showed some spirit. They showed some fight. 
I think they showed that they were still willing to to play for their manager, and and also you know it, it takes time probably to get a replacement lined up. So uh, there seemed to be it, it bought him some time. How much time it bought him, I don't know. You know if they if they don't beat Palermo at home at the weekend, that could easily be a, another. You know I mean because if you can't beat Palermo at home, then then you really are in trouble. You know so I think it's. It's one of these unfortunate situations that you get in Italy a lot of the time where you know the the sword is dangling over the manager's head. It's just a question of, of when it of when it falls. And he's kind of on trial now. Every game is a is a trial for him really. And I, you know, I think if, if they can fight but the, but you know, the fact that they came back and avoided you know, after twenty minutes it looked like it was going to be an absolute Disaster. The fact that they managed to avoid that probably probably buys them some time. You know, there are still. I'd say people are split down the middle. I think between those who say he said too much. You know, we should get rid of him now, and there are others who say, well, you know, let's let's give him his chance till the end of the season. We're still in the Europa League. We we've still got a chance of clambering back up Serie A a bit. And and you know there's still the Coppa Italia to play for. Let's let's give him his chance and and see what he can do. So uh, you know I think opinion is definitely split, but uh, I fear that uh, uh, another you know one one bad result could um, could be ultimately the straw that that breaks the camel's back. Well, speaking of dreams uh, uh, or nightmares, uh, if I say Jovetic. <laughs> straight swap for Bernardeschi. Is that a nightmare or a dream for you? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, you know, years ago I used to play a play-by-mail football and that was the kind of deal that someone offered you and when they thought you knew nothing about football and they would try to, they would try <laughs> to trick you, they would try to trick you into doing that deal. I, I'd, I'd, I'm not, I mean, I, Generally, as a rule, don't like bringing old players back because I just think they they never they never the same with managers as well. They never quite reproduce the magic that they did the first time around. I, I don't think I don't think I would do a straight swap, but I, I would happily in this instance have Jovetic back because I think he could um, he could give something to Fiorentina, and it might just be the what he needs to rekindle his career because it's you know it's painful for a Fiorentina fan watching him kind of uh, sort of limp around Europe just getting steadily worse and worse and seeing less and less game time is a real cry and shame you know because I can remember I don't know if you boys remember but the the two Champions League games that Fiorentina played with Liverpool and he was absolutely magnificent in those games so you know he, he won my heart then but you know it did come with the proviso that in in Florence they used to say that he's he's made of melted butter he, he, he he's, <laughs> he's so he's so injury prone and he's so he seems so his, his tolerance of pain seems to be much lower than than a lot of players and I, I may be doing him a, a disservice by saying that but you you knew when when he went to Manchester City, you know, people asked me what kind of player are we getting. I say, well, you're getting a match winner, but you're getting a match winner 
probably for 20 games a season maximum because even in his peak at Fiorentina, I don't think he ever got beyond 25, 26 league games. So, you know, you, you had to kind of factor in that there would be at least a dozen games a season that he would miss with with some sort of injury, you know, a, a, a broken toenail or a... <laughs> 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 a ripping his sock or something, you know, whatever, whatever it might, whatever it might be. So, I, I, I mean, having said all of that, it, you know, he was such a great player for us the first time around. I would, I, I would say it was worth a gamble, but not, not in a street swap for Bernardeschi. Though you, you can have a, you can have a, a, a street swap for a Tomovic instead. No, that's good. <laughs> Cheers. Because <laughs> you need we'll, to sort out that defence. You need the. You yeah, need but to sort we, out your defence. But I think we're kind of full on the crappy defenders situation <laughs> with with Ranocchia and whatever D'Ambrosio did uh, in for the first goal uh, or or Nagatomo. I gotta say I think Ranocchia was okay, but no, I think we're all set on the crappy defender <laughs> <laughs> department. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the part where these these fullbacks are giving have been giving Inter fans nightmares for the past five years. Is it now? <laughs> so yeah, uh, no. I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, uh, you you wrote a book. Uh, was it a year ago you published it, or was it this earlier this spring? I can't remember. Uh, well, I've done, I did I did one last year and a, another one a, a couple of years before that as well. So yeah, I've got. To, I'm to, talking about to, the 20 greatest games of Calcio. Is that what it's called? Yes, now? yes, yeah. yes. 20, 20 great Italian games. There's there are two editions of that now. So as I say, the the second edition came out last year, and um, and and there's another edition that was uh, about a year before that as well. So that's 40 great games and you know even uh, there's even some inter games in it and even, <laughs> <laughs> even a few that they won I think as well oh so, my you god know, I mean, that's, that's, that shows how it's, it's, it's very it's very it's very historical it's a very historical <laughs> <laughs> where can people find it is it on Amazon yeah, it's on yes if you search for 20 great Italian games then it should come up with of them and you can either download it to your your Kindle or other device or you can get a you can get a hard copy as well so and it's a it's a nice bit of nostalgia I think there's a lot of games in there that I think every uh, fan of any club will remember them will remember these games very fondly the games that I've seen myself or or a few a few more historical ones as well so um, something there for for fans of every generation I think. Well, I, 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 I've read parts of it. I uh, borrowed it uh, during a trip. A friend of mine had it, and I read a couple of, uh, couple of games. And I've and I got to say, it's really well written. So really well done, and congrats on that. Uh, if uh, people want to get a hold of you on Twitter, how do they find you? They find me. I'm, I'm, I was an early adopter of Twitter, and I gave myself a silly nickname that stuck <laughs> that stuck with me, which is Jinkers, which is uh, um, this is a nickname if, um, if you grow up in Scotland with a name like Giancarlo, then people will will inevitably give you a nickname. And so I was Jinxy, Jinkers, various other variations of that. So uh, on Twitter, I'm at Jinkers, which is G-I-N-K-E-R-S, Giancarlo Rinaldi. If you search for me on Twitter, you'll find there's not that many 
Fiorentina loving Scotsman on the internet. So um, <laughs> you'll, 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 you'll find me you'll find me easily enough. There is certainly not many Fiorentina and Queen of the South fans out there. So I think <laughs> my, I think myself and my father are the only two on the planet. So um, so so I'm I'm easily tracked down and also should say that I still write for um, Football Italia as well. So there's the, there's the odd blog on, on the air that I do as well. Yes, and I can really recommend people to, to follow you and because uh, I've, I've followed you for a couple of years now and i got to say it's always nice to interact with you. You've always got some really interesting things to say. and uh, So, uh, yeah, but thank you so much for coming on and uh, I hope that we for the return game in Florence uh, we you'll come back on uh, even if you lose. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, um, as a Fiorentina fan, I'm always able to speak after defeats because I've got used to it over the years. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of these people that takes the huff and can't speak um, immediately after a game, maybe. But give me, give me half an hour to calm down. I'm usually, I'm usually quite capable of uh, some sort of comment after a, after a game. I feel ashamed to say this, but it's been the same with me with Inter. For the past couple of years, I've just slowly gotten used to it. <laughs> it's, That's actually it, so true. I don't know it's, if it's, it's so sad. Like it happens, and I'm like, well, it's Inter, and and it, it, I think it's more this season than any other season. But this season, it's really felt that way. It's really felt that way. Well, but I mean, it's, it's we started it's character it nice. forming. It's character forming. Yeah, uh, but it, it's like it's not exactly like Inter before uh, before you know the, the 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 treble winning era and those five scudetti were exactly we didn't exactly have a you know uh, since eighty nine we didn't win the scudetto so I've been suffering since I was a kid like so bar those five years so <laughs> this is like this is back to normal for me and I'm like eh, okay we're back to where we were. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, uh, Giancarlo, or Jinkers. It's a pleasure. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have you on next time if, 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 you, if you're free and available. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We look forward to it. Take care. Thanks, Thanks Matthew. See ya. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye. Right. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> so nice to hear Jinkers talk because he's so, he's like, during the matches, I, rec I recognize myself so much in that. I, I bet you guys do too. This kind of, during the match, you're so pissed off. But I, but afterwards, you just take it in stride, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you just, you just get on with it. You're like, well, not much else to do. I, I wanted to ask you guys what you think because I brought I discussed a little bit with with uh, Raphael first and because I thought I, I think I, I thought I saw it again against uh, Fiorentina uh, I think that sure pressuring games you know pressuring opponents the way we did against Fiorentina in the beginning of a match is great but like you said Mohammed this this we need to start we need to be able to dictate matches why and kind of you know calm the tempo down and control the game and see it through like a big game a big big club what, what do you think and you know is this a pioli thing that he he just wants to go gung ho from 1 to 90 or or is this something that i mean what do you do you, do you see a potential problem here or cuz i i'm i'm worried the, the only criticism i have against pioli right now is i think that we're playing too high up with our defense i think we're pressuring you know when you're 3-0 up there's no need to attack like a crazy, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no need for that. Shouldn't we be able to cool things down and just control the game? 
Yeah, I look. Um, I I don't think it's a purely thing. Like, I think he's a smart guy. He's he's shown himself. Like, I I, I was quite skeptical. I I was I quite enjoyed. Like when we spoke last time on the podcast, I I quite enjoyed. Uh, at least at the start, the 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 ideas that De Boer was trying to implement, the whole uh, his whole like there's an identity that goes beyond the 90 minutes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when he left, I was a bit um, downhearted. Not not just because you know I I loved him very much, but you know we're going through another cycle, and it was purely and no one really was you know taking to purely too much. But the guy has shown that he's he he he's he's no idiot at least. Um, so I don't think I love how high the bar is. Sorry, to interrupt you. I just love how high the bar is. He's not an idiot. Like like I said, this is the effect, the inter effect for the past couple of years. Yeah, look. So it's it's not it's not that the bar isn't high. It's just that we've been uh, like we've been burnt by false hope so many times in the last five years that you know if if there's anything that looks like a green shoot, like something that looks like it's sprouting, you don't want to. Uh, overhype it at all so so him i mean like we, we can say that even again even against Bersheva in the for, first 45 minutes there's been like the complaint that we've had for uh for the boers inter was the guys start slow they always have to go behind they don't have this that level of intensity and 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 that's definitely not a criticism that you have for purely you know the the, the team has been committed they go in there's uh, there's um, holistic pressing. Everyone's pushing. Everyone's looking in to see where 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 everyone else is around, is on the field. So it feels it really feels like they're a team. The the fact that we can't dictate play, I think, is just uh, a factor of many many different things that have gone wrong over the years. I mean, first of all, like you need to have confidence. The squad needs to have confidence to be able to really sit back and and, and pass the ball around and and knock it about and. Have fun with it, and they're not there yet. You need a good run of like four or five games, and not just like a good good run of four or five games where you play Mancini football and and, and scrape one nil victories, but four or five games of implementing a strategy where you dominate. Once that happens, I think naturally the team's going to feel a little more relaxed and loose, and and they'll be able to transition to that much better. But what's also a glaring problem is that somewhere. Between the um, the holding two midfielders and the four at the back, there is a problem there. Like there's there, there's something there that's not working out. You know, whether it's 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 covering on a counter attack, whether it is transitioning back out of defense, something there is missing, and it's a personnel thing. Like I don't I don't think it's a it's a tactics thing. I think it's we're missing a type of player who's who's who fills that void somehow. But that's that's just my opinion. But what happened? I mean, I, I agree one hundred percent with that analysis. But I thought, and and I don't know if if you thought that before, except for these uh, past two games uh, against Fiorentina and uh, and uh, Milan. What the hell has happened to Miranda? I mean, yeah, he, he's yeah. looking like uh, like he's caught. I mean, we used to talk about this show earlier, a couple, you know, in earlier seasons that. They they see there seem to be this virus that is going around the team. Has Miranda yeah. caught the bug, the the Ranocchia Nagatomo Guarin bug? I, I think I think it's an attitude thing. I think something's pissing the guy off. I think he's like uh, in one on one situations he he doesn't make Ranocchia mistakes. He doesn't make Murillo mistakes. He doesn't. 
it's just that he he's he's not as involved. Like I mean, on a one to one, he's still all right. He still gets in. He's, his timing is quite good. But but you can definitely tell that this guy is not is not giving it all he's got. And I mean, you know, we've we've all heard uh, rumblings that he was very pissed off under the boar. He wasn't happy. Maybe maybe it's just a matter of you know coming around to Pioli and uh, Pioli getting around to you know talking to talking some sense to uh, to him and, and and getting him on board. But you're definitely right. I think Miranda's Miranda's attitude is not is not what it was for sure. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, because that, that seems to also coincide with Handanovic, I think, making insane things that he, he, he does when, when, when he's got a defense in front of him, whether it's the, you know, the, the, the center halves or the fullbacks. It feels like it, it sends shockwaves down there. Now, thankfully, it, it used to before spread to the entire team. Now it just feels like it's contained within the de- defense and the goalkeeper. Yeah. What do, what do we do? Handanovic, for me, has been a problem for a long time. Like, I, I mean, I, I recognize that he saved our asses many, many times last season with crazy great saves, but he's also cost us a lot of points. I think he's he's been made out to be a much more heroic figure than than he is or a much more capable figure than he is but this guy's definitely got problems like technical problems like shots that come across him low shots that come across him will always you always find him like a like a deer in headlights frozen he doesn't move you know that's that's it's always going to happen and then yesterday that second goal it was it was insane like what what the hell was he doing you know so, so I think I think the Handanovic problem has always been there. Uh, I think it's just that we're I don't know, we're seeing more of it. Maybe I, I don't know, but um, but I also think that Medel and Miranda, you know, for for the few minutes that they played together in the in the Milan game, that that was a that was a working module. Like I think maybe Miranda was frustrated under the boar because he wasn't getting enough cover from from from, from midfield, but. You know, with Medel and Miranda, it looked like a good, nice, compact. It reminded me of Murillo and Miranda last season when when they were working out together quite well. So, I'm I, I'm really looking forward to Medel making the recovery and, and then playing next, next to each other. But Handanovic is is an issue. Like Handanovic is a problem. You, yeah, I, I don't know what to think because I used to. I used to think that, you know, before when I heard these things about him being, you know, the kind of Bruce Groblar of the 2010s, <laughs> you know, you remember him, the old Liverpool keeper who used to do amazing things, but then he used to do yeah. howlers that were like, oh my God, who is this guy? But it, I, I, I was like kind of on the fence thinking, I think that was a bit harsh. But after that kung fu fighter dropkick in the face of the Israeli player for no reason <laughs> after getting a... <laughs> after getting yeah. a yellow card against Beersheva in the 29th minute or whatever it was, I mean, for 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 like time wasting, <laughs> it's it's yeah. like what the hell? I mean, dude, you're 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 like one of the more, you know, yeah. you're supposed to be one of the leaders and one of the you know the backbone of this team, and he's really not. He's yeah, really no, no. really not. And and I mean I, I remind you as well of 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 last year's uh, Fiorentina game the home the the nightmare oh home game God. I mean it, that that was all on Handanovic as well you know it mm. was it was that ridiculous foul that penalty that it, that triggered off the whole chain you know of of crazy events and it was that was probably the most painful night of last season so 
Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely, like you say, he, he does crazy, amazing saves at times. Uh, the Roma game last season in, in, in the, the Olimpico. But at, when, when he screws up, it's, it's just, uh, it's always serious. Like it's, and, and it's, and it's not, it's never like a fumble or, 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 a, or a, a strange parry. It's, it's, it always results in either a goal or a sending off or a penalty. Just something that changes the game and makes you lose three points. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. So we, we, we need to, yeah, I agree with you when it comes to the Medel and Grande thing. I'm, I'd love to see those two together. And also because I think that Medel as a deep holding midfielder in front of the defense is, 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 is not a solution because I, I don't think he's right, technically, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. think he's technically and tactically good enough for that. But him in the central defense where he has a bit more time and can pick out his passes, that I think is really good because then he, you know, he, I mean, he had a 100% pass rating before he got yeah. injured in the derby. No, no, absolutely. You're definitely right on that. I totally agree. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. So, moving on to the next game that we have coming up against Napoli, who aren't looking their usual selves this season. They sit only a place above us in the table, four points ahead. Um, Nima, what do, you, what do you think of the game? I, I, can't, I don't know what to predict in this game. Napoli away is, is, for me, one of the most difficult games of the season. Inter have historically always struggled there, no matter who, like how good we've been doing otherwise. I remember Mourinho lost there. He, he, we, we, have, we've, we struggle at Napoli, and, and Napoli at home, they're the kind of team that kind of, they, they, when, the, when the fans are with them and it's an electric night and the... San Paolo is, is 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 absolutely electric, and they 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 think they, they almost overperform, you know. And and I'm I'm really worried now, given how they've been a little bit criticized and things haven't gone their way, and they drew their last game. I, I'm I'm scared that we're going to play uh, a, a Napoli that comes out there with 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 fire in their eyes, and and uh, or or you know, think of it this way: with if Inter are going to go out. I honestly believe this. If Inter think that they, they're going to go out there at the San Paolo on Friday and completely destroy uh, Napoli like they did against Fiorentina and Milan, we will lose big. We will lose big. I honestly think that. Sure, they, they have, uh, they have uh, their, their defense is also a little bit shaky, but they have Callejon, Mertens, Hamsik, Insigne, these are players that will hurt you on the counter attack, and they will hurt you badly. And but, I really, um, Mert- yes, sorry, Mertens is oh. out for the game, by the way. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, sure, but, but, absolutely. Yeah, but, no, no, that's that's fantastic news for us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, but but I mean, like yeah. the, this, these these players, yeah. Insigne, you know, they they will hurt you on, on the counter attack, and you've got Hamshik who who always is great against big teams and, and Inter especially. This is, I'm, I'm really scared. I hope that we play a, a tactical, intelligent game against Napoli. Uh, and if we do that, I actually think we have a very good chance of, of beating them. I really do. But if we go out and play this gung-ho, pressure them till they die, Barcelona 2008-2009... Uh, <laughs> I'm shitting bricks. I'm going to be honest. Like, and, and again, as I said, that stadium, you know, you know how it lives up, and and it becomes electric, and then they just they just score for fun. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? 
No, I definitely agree with you. Like, I think this is a this is a great uh, a great test for us fans to see what POD really is made of. Because, I mean, we've written off like when 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 he was first given when we first read that he was given the job. You took took a look at the fixture list, Milan, Fiorentina, Napoli, and you're like. Okay, now if we get you know one point out of the three games, you know, jokingly, we'll, uh, but it wasn't really a joke. You know, you, you knew it was the baptism of fire. But now, after two reasonably positive performances, I mean, excellent results. You know, four four points from the six. Anybody would have taken those. Um, now, now, now we we can dream a bit. You know, against Naples, and I think you're absolutely right. Like if if we, if he thinks that he can go and 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 you know, push and press, and, and and think that you can get. We're going to get eaten alive, especially like you say on the counter attack. My God, I mean, imagine Ranocchia against like Insigne and Gabbiadini and uh, and uh, Cajon, you know. <laughs> yeah, last last season's like that fumble, uh, that, that famous Ranocchia when he tried to he tripped over himself trying to cut the ball around. <laughs> my God, I, I I almost smashed my TV so hard that night. Oh God! Like no, nothing, nothing embodies everything I hate about Ranocchia as much as that one move. You know that cost us the game. It was, it was awful. But yeah, so, so I mean, yeah, if, 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 if they don't show some variety in the way they set the team up and, and the mentality of how they go out and play and, and, and attack, attack a game, not, not attack a team. You know, then yeah, we're going to be in trouble. Definitely agree. What do you, Antonio? What do you think about our midfield? Because that's something that's been causing a lot of debate. Every uh, I've read a lot of comments on in in, in 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 different articles by journalists and on Twitter by fans and this kind of thing, where everyone is saying we should play with uh, Brozovic, uh, João Mario, and uh, Banega in the in this kind of four three. Uh, with with four three three with Kandreva and uh, Perisic behind uh, Icardi, just focusing on the central midfield. Do you, what is your ideal midfield against a, a team like Napoli? It's it's a, I mean it's a difficult one because one of them will have to stay back, you know, because I I know that Brozovic likes to make his run forwards along with Jao Mario, but and and Kondogbia, I guess would be. Kondogbia would probably be a better option in that case to kind of sit back a bit um, while either one of them makes their runs forward along with Benega. I'd much rather at least one kind of defensive-minded player there instead. If if Jao Mario sits back and Brozovic makes his run forwards and they inter interplay and they switch around, then um, it'd be a perfect midfield. But it's it's a, it's a difficult one because Jao Mario as well you know, missed loads of chances against Fiorentina, but he, <laughs> how did know, he miss that goal? Like, like I, <laughs> I, I can't believe what happened when he was right in front of goal. He, but, but, but the same could be said for Perisic as well. He missed, you know, quite a few chances as well, and it's 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 a difficult one. But I think if if Brozovic and Gio Mario can cover the space that's left behind when one of them goes forward, then by all means, it would be a really Strong midfield to have against Napoli, but if they if they're not going to be able to do that, I'd much rather have Kondogbia there um, with with probably um, Gian Mario and Benega uh, um, in midfield. That's what do you think, Mohamed? Oh, sorry. What do you think, Mohamed? I'm I'm 
I've been a, like anyone who reads my Twitter feed knows that I I'm in love with Condogbia. I think there's a great great midfielder there. I think he's he's a, a poor young um, sensitive fellow who was thrown into like the worst of circumstances to develop a young player, and and yet he's still coming out quite decent. So I think as we saw yesterday, like you don't see what Condogbia does when he's on the pitch, but when he left, you you can definitely sense the imbalance in the side. I think against Napoli, um, a midfield three of, or like a holding midfield of uh, João Mario and Kondogbia with Brozovic pushing up between uh, Kandreva and uh, Perisic works best. Keep Banega on the bench if you need him in the second half, sure. But I mean, if you want defensive intensity from the start, then Banega's got no, no place in the starting 11. You know, he's... The guy's just not going to cover as well. I, you, you play him when you're at home, but when you're away, it's uh, Brozovic, uh, Kondogbia, and um, and Juan Mario, my, I think. Hmm. I, I can't really decide because I think that... I, I personally, I don't like seeing uh, Banega as a trequartista because I think he he's, uh, he's still not... Uh, he hasn't still adapted to Italian football. It's, it's too much La Liga syndrome, where yeah. he likes to, you know, you, you know, he likes to fan, you know, mess up, mess with the ball a little bit too much when he's, you know, too, and you don't get that time in Italy. They close you down too well. But but I would like to see like uh, I've been talking about this uh, on the pod in, in earlier in earlier episodes that I would really like to see a midfield trio of Mario Banega and uh, Brozovic where they actually change positions you know what i mean like where you have maybe banega starting uh, playing just in front of the defense a little bit and then switching with Brozov. you know what i mean like a little bit of yeah, movement yeah, yeah. to, to yeah. but then again is banega disciplined enough to, to put in that very important i mean technically there are no doubts in his passing and technical abilities and his vision there's no there's no question yeah. of that but is he is he tactically disciplined enough to play there that's the question and I think uh, fitness-wise, like I, he, he was the first guy to lose his legs yesterday, you know, like uh, in the midfield, everybody kept running, but he, he just like 50, 55 minutes in, I think you're, you're like, I heard the commentator say a ball gets past the Benega. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, Benega's still on the field. I, he, he had completely like gone off um, for, for like 10 minutes in the beginning of the second half. So I think it's, yeah, it's a combination of discipline and fitness. Which is like in a perfect world, if, if Banega runs, if he's disciplined, of course, you know, a, a midfield three of Juan Mario Banega and either Bozovic or Kondogbia sounds amazing. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, concerned about balance. That's uh, that's all. Oh, oh, well, what can we say? Me too. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky. And also, what I'm really really worried about again is the fullback situation because at this moment in time, I don't know. Honest to God, I really don't know what which two to play. I mean, I don't understand why we can't play Miange because he was actually pretty decent when he played. Whereas Ansaldi's been a walking disaster. Nagatomo is Nagatomo. D'Ambrosio was good in the derby, but I didn't think he was good against Fiorentina. What what do we do there? <laughs> I mean, what what are we doing? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is the thing that every Inter fan, you know, bangs their head against the wall about. But I, I actually think Ansadi wasn't half bad yesterday. I mean, um, him with Persic, they linked up quite well, uh, found each other. 
uh, I think we had more than just uh, the the two goals. We had a couple of chances coming off the left as well. You know, really good chances. So I think Ansadi, yeah, he's never going to set the world on fire, or uh, you know, but he is what he is. You know, he's the best of the worst. On the right, I'm go- I'm going to throw a, su- a suggestion for the yeah. right. How about we bring Kandreva back to right back, mm. and then just like have this. have have uh, either you know Barbosa or Edo or whatever on in, in right wing because Kandreva looked more like a right back in yesterday's game than D'Ambrosio at some points. He was he was further back than D'Ambrosio for the first goal. Uh, that yeah, Fantina scored. Yeah, he was yeah. he, he was actually I I thought that was D'Ambrosio at first, and then the commentator said um, you know Kandreva was there, and I, I looked closely and I thought hold on that's that's Kandreva. He he looked more in, in position than uh, D'Ambrosio. So I I. And and I'm pretty sure he's 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 played there before, right? I think he's, he's played, played the wing back, right? Wing back, yeah, wing back. for the yeah. national team, isn't it? Like, yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's it's not going to happen, but it, I, compared to what else we have, yeah, I'd much prefer. No, for sure. I mean, uh, I I think I think like if you if you're able to like get a bastard child of. Uh, Andreva and Ambrosio, you might actually be able to like spice their genes together. You can get a decent uh, right fullback because uh, Andreva would be great going forwards, and Ambrosio is not too bad on uh, defensively. That's true. But uh, but I think against 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 Napoli, you know, if you start with someone like Andreva and then Eder up front, and the right flank is just you know, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But what about let's let's get into prediction time. What, what, what Mohammed? What, what do you think? What are you predicting here? Um, you know, uh, for the previews, uh, there's always the prediction. I, I'm I never look at this. You know, it's just, I, I need I need to pull a a number out of my ass. That's basically it. I have no idea how this game can go. I I guess like my heart would say like a nice two one for Inter. Uh, but I I don't I I honestly don't don't feel like we're going to lose. So a draw or a win for like a cheeky win for Inter or, or, a, or a, a scoring draw. That's, that's where I'm at. I hope to God you're right. Antonio? Free, free. I think it's going to be a free, free game. It, I mean, it Damn. seems like that. Both, both teams yeah. have, you know, terrible defenses at the moment, but have an abundance in attack, attack quality. So, you know, but I, I can definitely see, and how the teams are right now, I could definitely see a free, free happening. Uh, Icardi is obviously going to get on a score sheet uh, twice, and and Kandreva will get one as well. And uh, for Napoli, Insigne and Callejon twice. Interesting. I like. Hmm. I like. I was kind of. Uh, I was kind of in on, on that. You know, I was thinking that this is a game that could end like that, like three, three, four, four, like a completely mad, insane game. Uh, where the crowd like really electrifies both teams, like you know, I, I can really see that happening. Yeah. But I don't, I can't. I'm going to be selfish here. My heart can't take that. <laughs> I, 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 I really can't deal with this. Like I, I really don't want that to happen because I will die. Like I will literally have a cardiac arrest, and you'll have to have write a eulogy about me on the side or something because like I, I can't deal with this anymore <laughs> you know I, yeah, I miss no. this is why I like Mancini you know he, he was boring yeah, yeah. but he was predictable <laughs> I like that 
you know <laughs> Uh, Medel Melo, my God! Oh God! Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, un- yeah. unless Melo had a, you know, had a complete brain hemorrhage and did what he did against Lazio, it, it was pretty predictable. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I, I think that I don't want to say an Inter win, but I. Th- Honestly, as I said earlier, I think that if Inter come out and, like you said, attack the game and not the team, I think we can win. I really think we can win. I really, really think that we can hurt Napoli because Sarri, you know, if we if we're a bit cooler, we don't have to lay, you know, and play Catenaccio and, and park the bus. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 if we can be a little bit cooler and play a little bit deeper and try to hurt them on the counter attack because they're at home. Now, and, and the, the Napoli fans are very demanding. If Napoli, you know, if they're on the back foot and they don't do anything and Inter are cool and, and don't do anything either, they will start booing. And that, that, is, that, that crowd has an effect on that team. And I can yeah. imagine that Sarri, I mean, he's never really played defensively. So I think that if we just keep a little bit cool and let them attack and we close spaces, win the ball high up and counterattack, I think we can beat them. I really do think so. Uh, and, and I hope we do. Uh, I really, really hope we do because I think if we win this game, we're only one point behind Napoli, and this is so important if we're going to have any, you know, any, you know, ray of sun snowballs chance in hell of finishing third. <laughs> we really need to to win to to win this game, you know, yeah. realistically. So yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I hope. I hope. 2-1 for Inter, but I think 1-1. I think 1-1. I think Icardi will get one, and I think Insigne will get one. Cool, cool. Well, um, those hopefully uh, hopefully we get a win, but yeah, there's, there's some solid predictions. Now, moving on to the uh, usual segments of the week, starting with the Frog of the Week, told this week by uh, Nima. Uh, this is a story that is so insane uh, that I don't even know where to begin. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read it from uh, The Guardian, excerpts of it from The Guardian. Uh, Lapo Elkan, the 39-year-old grandson of Gianni Agnelli, who, owns, uh, f- who used to be CEO of, uh, and o- a main owner of Fiat and obviously Juventus, uh, has been charged by the NYPD (laughs) for filing a false report after he allegedly called his family and told them he was being held against his will in a Kipps Bay apartment in Manhattan and needed $10,000 to be released. Now, Lapo Elkan is a, is, a, uh, is a playboy, and he's the brother of Yuan Elkan, who is the chairman of Fiat right now, Fiat Chrysler. And he's, he, he's, he allegedly made this false claim to his family about being kidnapped after a two-day bender in New York consuming obscene amounts of drugs with an escort, a prostitute. Now... <laughs> A representative of the Agnelli family allegedly dropped off the payment to the police, and Elkan and, es- and, and the prostitute were later found in front of the escort's apartment and taken in for questioning, and that, at that point, the alleged ploy was discovered. So basically, what happened is that he... <laughs> I 
can't believe I'm saying this in a, on an Inter podcast. Basically, the brother of the CEO and of Fiat and Juventus royalty went on a two, three-day bender in Manhattan with a prostitute, and he consumed enormous amounts of drugs, according to the, to the tabloids, and then was so out of money and needed more and didn't have God knows where his credit cards were or whatever. So he decided, like a, like a 16, 17-year-old brat, to, to, <laughs> to fake a kidnapping in order for his family to send him $10,000 so he could continue partying. This is that's so some, uh, insane. <laughs> that's some uh, next level Charlie Sheen uh, shit, huh? <laughs> you know what I mean, though? This is Charlie Sheen on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and the, the, this isn't just rumors, because according to a, a press officer for the New York Police Department confirmed that Elkan had been charged with issuing a false report on Sunday and that, quote, all the details in the daily New York Daily News are correct. <laughs> That's crazy. So the police have basically confirmed all, all, all the details. They haven't confirmed. Uh, they haven't confirmed the the the. Yeah, basically, yeah. What what was first? Uh, well, the, the charge against Elkan uh, that he's yeah. been uh, he's been uh, detained for. Um, you know, he's been he's been charged for issuing a false report. Uh, that has been confirmed by uh, by uh, by the New York NYPD. But the icing on the cake, I think, is this: the prostitute was not a woman; it was not a man; it was a transgender escort. <laughs> Wait, so neither or both? No, a chick with dick. I'm sorry for everyone who's like <laughs> sensitive, but basically, a, 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 a you know a pre-op tranny, <laughs> a guy with a penis and breasts. That's some I, classy stuff, man. That's uh, <laughs> keeping it real. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to make uh, make this uh, 18 plus like rated podcast and when, when oh I have it. to now I, I I've already decided I have to do this because this is so insane and I couldn't not bring this up especially since it was confirmed by you know confirmed by the police that the report in the in the New York Daily News was <laughs> correct and this is this is not the first time Elkan has been in a situation like this he, he's he's been a complete playboy and he used to you know he he you know he, he cleaned his act up for a couple of years and and now he's 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 basically uh, do you i don't know what to say this this story is you know how you say sometimes you know you know real life kind of beats fiction by a mile this is <laughs> you cannot make this shit up this is this is like the, the the hangover movies, but with a billionaire instead. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's quite insane. And I mean, uh, like the Italian papers are having a field day with this guy, right? <laughs> well, of course they are. I mean, yeah. and they, and Italian papers aren't really like into that kind of tabloidy stuff anyway. They're not like the British press. Uh, they're into obviously they they you know there's tabloids everywhere, but. But they're not, they're not as vicious and they don't like attack people's private lives the same way like, for example, the British tabloids do or the American uh, tabloids do. But this guy, he just, he's, he's, uh, he's just doing it. He's just basically digging his own grave here. I mean, how, I don't know what to say here. I, I'm just stunned. I'm just stunned. 
Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. This is this is a if the, and I know you know the reason why I chose to use it on on the frog of the week is because we kind of define frog of the week as someone who who does something incredibly stupid but at the same time funny. And I think this kind of qualifies into that because it's kind of weird and insane and I don't know. It, what is it? You remember that, I mean, that it, it's, it's definitely something Renocchio would do, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, joke, I, joke, joking. Joke. He's not that bad. I mean, he's horrible, but not that bad. He's horrible on the pitch, but, but I mean, he, he is the equivalent nice of Renocchio on the pitch, outside of the pitch, I guess. I don't know what to say, but. Remember that 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 famous uh, skit about uh, that. What's his name? Uh, did uh, uh, the that com- comedian who, who, who African American comedian, really famous. His name eludes me right now. About Rick James uh, and how Charlie Murphy is telling a story about he he was in the. You know Eddie Murphy's brother, Charlie Murphy, who, who on his show, Dave Chappelle. So I don't know if you guys have seen that, but Google, you know, YouTube no. or, or Dave Chappelle and, yeah. and 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 Rick James. You know that part when when Rick James is saying cocaine's one hell of a drug. <laughs> I, I think this kind of this kind of applies <laughs> here. Can, yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. drugs, kids. That all that's all I can say. You know, don't do <laughs> drugs. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty um, crazy. Oh, the, sorry. Yeah, I just this is oh, this is funny. <laughs> well, um, moving on to the more I guess depressing uh, segment of the week. Um, we're gonna be it's gonna be me uh, bringing the mood down with this week's mochi. <laughs> so there's. I, I there was one thing I was going to use for the mochi, and now it's become two just today. Um, but I'm going to focus on the first thing just because it's been going on for a while now. Um, well, it's, it's you know it's only been coming out for a few weeks now, but it's, it's been going on for years, and that's with the whole scandal going on in the FA right now with the um, child sex abuse, which is I've I've done a bit of reading into it and it's it's sickening what what you know um these people have done. I think the main the main uh, person who was who was just prosecuted was uh, Barry Bendel, his name was or, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And um you know uh it's the fact that it's just come out is is good in a way cuz it's it's causing more it's it's pushing more people to to you know come out uh, about their experiences and that and uh, you know it's it's bringing this problem to light, but the fact that this is you know I, I I never could have imagined this kind of thing happening, and and it's it's horrible. It's you know it's really heartbreaking. I mean, it's I can really I think you know credit where credit is due. I think the reporting that Daniel Taylor and the Guardian have done on this is is again they they they've just they've they've done it with such respect to the people involved. They they they've done it with with such you know as as much you know they've just basically tried to help everyone who's been who's suffered from all this and and it's it's absolutely heartbreaking and I, I, there's so many people former players uh, former uh, you know talents youth t- talents who are coming out telling their stories about this guy uh, and and it's 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 so heartbreaking. It's so sad. And the FA has now set up a helpline. I think because yeah, they have. 
it's something about like they, they 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 officially said that the the people who are coming out with this story is now is the tip of the iceberg basically we're talking about this this guy was a was a youth team coach at a very high level for 20 years or something and and the thing is as well and this this really like kind of you know it was already really bad but this kind of really you know took just just took it too far is that you know that some of the kids who were affected by this were actually put off you know chasing their dream of becoming a football player because of it you know some of these children just just stopped you know training and then and, and, and doing all of that and and to think that these these kids had their dreams ruined like that and their lives but you know but it's it's so horrible it's really really it's, it's really different it's really oh it just makes your skin crawl and and especially when you read how how this guy used to basically scare these children into doing what he wanted with them uh, because he would basically i mean there's this one I don't know whose name eludes me right now, who came out and, and, and said that after he refused advances from this guy, he, the coach, he, he, he basically spent, you know, told him, threatened him. And when he still didn't budge, he, he basically had him frozen out from the team uh, by, by telling his teammates that he had stolen money from them when money had disappeared. I mean, it's, it's just so harrowing. It's, it's just so it's 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 it really makes your skin crawl and it's it's a it's 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 horrible it's just it just makes you want to puke yeah and it's just i mean it's i don't want to spend any more time on this topic because it's it's you know we've said what we've said and i want to move on to the other thing which i want to bring up which is 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 a completely different category altogether but today there was news that came out um, about a plane crash with the Chape Coins uh, football team. I think yeah. I said that right, and that and it's just on a, on a you know that's just another heartbreaking piece of of news that's come out, and it's it's something that I want to mention just just because uh, you know I want I want to give uh, I want you know as a studio inter inter we all give our condolences to the families and, and friends of these players and the fans as well who who, you know, look up to these players as heroes and, and stuff for, for the stuff I've been doing. And This yeah, is very much comparable to, to what happened to Manchester United with the yeah. plane crash in Munich. I mean, it was, these guys were on their way to play a very important game in the Copa Libertadores, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just like, that's, that's the Champions League of, uh, of South American football. And, and it's just a big, big game. And, and to see this happen and, and to see them wiped out the way they were, uh, you know, some players survived, thank, thank God. But it's, it's really, really, it's, it's really sad. It's really, really sad. And it's so tragic. It, it really is. And, and I'm seeing all these um, in the past couple of hours, there's been, you know, videos released on social media of these players like a couple of days ago celebrating in the lockers. And another player was, was told, you know, he was going to have a son 20 days before today it's 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 oh, heart, heartbreaking heartbreaking yeah you know stuff is, and i just felt like i needed to kind of to kind of bring that up and and uh, pay tribute to to these guys absolutely it's, yeah. it's um, absolutely absolutely it, it's oh god it's horrible horrible mm. horrible 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 yeah exactly. um but i mean on 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 a light you know on a lighter note i, I don't know if it's true or not but apparently the the, t- the club 
that they were facing in the final have have said they wanted to forfeit that final and and give the the win the trophy to to Chapecoense, which I think is oh, is really? uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's true or not. Um, I might have, it might have been a false report or something, but uh, that would be a if, very if good it's, nice if touch. it's true, I think it's it's very admirable, you know. And uh, yeah. it, I've read I I haven't I, I read something uh, I've saw something like that on my on my t- timeline <laughs> as well, and uh, I think it's uh, incredible. If if it's true to me, that is that is so classy and uh, and uh, it, that's the beauty it's of football. I think it's Atletico. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a I think I think so. It's because they were going to to uh, to uh, what's it called to 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 Medellin in in Colombia. So uh, yeah, no, that that's that's just it's if that if that's true, then uh, then that is just that's beautiful. I mean, that is such a, that's such a classy thing to do. I think that is such a classy thing classy thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Seventy five dead, six six survivors. And it was loads of journalists, and it was, it was, uh, it, it, was it was football. You know, it was it was the club uh, directors. It was, it was, um, yeah. It, it was it was basically uh, it, it it was basically the everyone. You know, a lot of you know top officials of the club and a lot of journalists and people going there to to cover this uh, two game you know Copa Sudamericana final. Uh, against Atletico Nacional, uh, which you're absolutely right. Sorry, yes, yeah, Nacional. I've just seen that the Telegraph have, have, have uh, made an article, and they've they've asked for um, Chapo Coenza to be declared the champions. So that's wow. cl- that's classy. That's classy. That's classy. That's yeah. that's very classy. Nominiero Atletico Nacional. I, was, I said the correct name just so they get the the credit. But yeah, I mean, it's considering what's happened. It's it's. It's amazing of them to to do something like that at this yeah. time, and hope hopefully you know the people who can be sailed because I'm pretty sure this is still you know uh, things going on right now for it. the people who can be saved will be saved, and yeah, um, yeah, that, they have they've actually asked uh, that the Copa Sudamericana be given to. You're absolutely right. More and more outlets are reporting it right now. Yeah. That's really nice of them. Man. Well, I guess that's kind of a mini mini Moratti before we go into that. But um, I would say it's a massive Moratti. Yeah. Maybe we'll share them. We'll all have the Moratti with the week all together. But um, yeah, uh, that, my Moji of the week goes to these two events. Uh, one disgusting, one just heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Moving on to the Moratti of the week, the more positive. Uh, told by Mohammed. Oh my God, he is beautiful. He is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a consensus here that, uh, at least from an Inter perspective, uh, yet again the Moratti of the week has to go to our uh, bomber, uh, Maurito, uh, particularly that amazing, amazing first goal that he scored yesterday. Um, I could watch it on repeat, I think, endlessly. Really, really classy work. I think um, there were there were rumors and questions, and not rumors, like there were questions uh, about his attitude and whether he's a real Bergomi. He came out and said, uh, you know, is, is uh, Icardi a real captain? And then there was talk of, you know, the penalty miss and against uh, the penalty miss and then being unable to score against Milan. 
etc cetera, etc cetera. <clears throat> and uh he came out yesterday and you know a real uh real leader's performance i mean it was funny seeing ranokia trying to be a leader a bit uh, with uh, with the, the teams but uh ikardi yesterday fantastic play fantastic energy um decisive when 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 was required and you know the cherry on top was that first goal brilliant brilliant piece of work what i think is is so impressive with what ikardi is doing if we if we disregard the milan match and you know a few you know poor performances that he had i think what's so impressive for me is that in a dysfunctional inter he scored 12 goals yeah in the in 14 Incredible. matches in the serie a that's that's insane yeah, yeah capo canonieri uh, top of the table uh, with zeko and with who with what support and in, in like a change of coach i mean he's he's since since summer this is the third coach that this guy's seen the third type of play and and yet he's still you know the highest scorer of the league he's 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 world world class like the fact that this guy doesn't get called up to the argentinian national team is an absolute disgrace uh for them you know we we've got nothing to lose at least we don't risk the guy being injured often into national duty but uh like they're missing out on a lot and i hope they not. keep i hope they keep missing out because i don't want them to travel <laughs> to south america i'm i'm really yeah. happy with this moralism that they got going over there because yeah, we yeah. All, whenever it's a national break or international break Icardi gets to rest he gets to be fresh i love it i absolutely love it yeah. i i Suddenly, i'm sorry yeah, for that, him, that. The Instagram feed is all like beautiful places, boats in the Mediterranean and I know it and then you see all the other guys, you know, in camp uh, with the uh, with the national team and like being cramped on airplanes and yeah, no it's it's you're right. I mean and and like we got to take a look at Napoli and see what happened to them with Milik. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. it's it's yeah. Yeah, I mean thankfully for us, you know, we don't want to wish ill upon anyone but you know, like if if Milik had had still been with Napoli then the prospects of the game on friday would have been very very different for us you know we wouldn't be talking about yeah, maybe it's a draw maybe you'll win it would have been would have changed their season completely so i mean this stuff this stuff really makes a difference it really so, yeah. does it really does i i i i the thing is i i think sometimes that he's gotten you know i i think this whole image thing that the media have built up around him sure he's done a lot of stupid things and you know the the autobiography comes to mind but i think he's not the only person to blame there as yeah, we've yeah. talked about before but i, I think it's he's, he's a family guy i mean if you look at his instagram feed and if you look at what he does when he puts stuff on on on, fa- on on his on his social media accounts it's just him with his kids uh you know goofing around having fun you know his his newborn ch- you know ch- his, his newborn yeah. child his daughter his, his the, the his adoptive sons which you can say who look like you know yeah. they look really happy and, and they look like a really you know nice family so yeah, I, it's I never like he, a, he, sorry it's never like go. yeah it's it's never like a big magnum champagne bottles at a club or like you know bunch of like uh, hot chicks uh, around them or you know, it's just him uh, Wanda and the kids and yeah they're doing nice things and uh, yeah you're right he, he does look like a family man yeah i think this uh, so bad boy attitude has been blown completely out of proportion yeah. we we've definitely lucked out like the biggest like if if there's if there's something to to make inter fans you know believe that you know this club is blessed in a way like we are really the benamata it's it's the fact that Icardi not only you know has managed to develop but has stayed at Inter d- despite all the craziness of the last five years you know he's he's 
really a world-class guy and he's only going to get better and better and, and we're just very very lucky that this guy you know that fate has has put him there and he's managed to find make a home at, in, in milan and, and i i really uh, want to second that i really want to second that because if you look at i mean this guy won the was the youngest capo cannoniere since uh, paolo rossi in, in 80 like in, in 81 uh, this, yeah. the, you know like he, he, he's, he was really really young when 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 he won the capo cannoniere and and he he he's he's he, given how he still hasn't pay, played in the Champions League because Inter haven't been able to you know uh, qualify for the Champions League and it's been complete yeah. chaos since the day he he he's come you know of course that if there was going to be some trouble uh, at uh, in the summer, because I mean, you know, he's he's spending his his his, his best, maybe not his best years, but he's really doing his his uh, he's doing really well at at the yeah. club, and 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 he's 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 a star player. I mean, I I I don't understand this hatred that he's getting from Inter fans. I, I really don't get it. I, I genuinely don't understand it because I don't think that given who are we going to buy instead that would accept to play in this club where it's complete topsy-turvy, crazy chaos, day and night, and everything changes from one day to another. Who would accept yeah. that? No, I mean, not only that, but, I mean, we touched upon it the last time as well, but the fact that number nines are a very, very, very rare commodity now. Like, back in the day when everyone was playing 4-4-2s, you had at least four four number nines in, in, in every team, but now there's one or two at, at best, you know. So there there's just a scarcity of... Of, of strikers, of poachers, so you lose of the Cardi. finishers, yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. finishers. Let, let's say you sell them for like 90 million, like uh, Napoli did with the Higuain. Who would you buy? There's no one else on the market that can do what Icardi does. No one. I mean, look, I mean, look at Napoli. They had, they, they, I mean, how much trouble haven't they had trying to replace yeah. uh, Higuain? I mean, there's talk of Muriel now in January. and the, you know, Muriel, so they, there's talk of Zaza. There's like any, any name. Like they're, they're scrambling for any guy that can basically play up, up top. You know, if you know, like, a, you know, a guy just send the, send the CV over and they'll take a look at it because really they're screwed. <laughs> Oh yeah, I just got to correct myself. It was not in eighty eighty one that Paolo Rossi won the won the Capo County. It was seventy seven seventy eight, and he was uh, and Icardi is the youngest since then. Uh, okay. Rossi was Rossi was twenty two, and Icardi was twenty two back then. So there you go. Right. And and the fact that he like he's consistently the best guy on the field. Like he's he doesn't just do it once, twice uh, uh, a season, like. Nine games out of ten, you take a look at the ninety minutes and you say, "Who, who, who is the difference maker? Who do we have to thank?" And it's usually almost always uh, Icardi. He's uh, fantastic. I agree. I agree. Grande Icardi. Grande Icardi. Uh, we're, we're probably we're probably going to be death threats against us now because of that <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter because this, this, he really divides opinion even amongst Inter fans. I, I don't get it. I can't see beyond love. Like really. I agree, 100%. Sorry, Antonio. That's fine. Well, on that note, um, it's uh, time we, we wrap this podcast up. Uh, I'd just like to thank uh, our special guests for joining us today. So it was Giancarlo Rinaldi, Rinaldi and um, Raphael mm-hmm. Geller uh, who joined us. Uh, go check them out. And also my guest, my uh, usual co-host today, uh, Nima tavari Rudsari and Mohamed Nassara, Sempre Inter writer, for, for joining me. Um, Grazie. No worries, no worries. Pleasure having you. Um, 
So yeah, uh, that is it. We will see you next week. Uh, sempre solo Forza Inter. Napoli, merda. <laughs>